Hey there, I'm Jamin Baxter, and I serve Moody Radio as the Director of Business Development. Our team's job is to find businesses that love Moody Radio and Jesus Christ and want to support the work we do financially, just like you. Today, I'd like to introduce you to United Faith Mortgage. Simply put, they are a faith-focused mortgage team serving clients across the United States. They've put together a team with Christian values with faith and family at the core. They know that this is arguably the most important purchase of your life. Check out the top five things you should know about United Faith Mortgage at unitedfaithmortgage.com. Thanks to you and United Faith Mortgage for supporting Moody Radio. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Hey, it's Ed Stetzer live, and I'm Ed Stetzer. I lead the week in college, Billy Graham Center. But most importantly for today, I'm your host on Ed Stetzer Live here on Moody Radio. And I have to tell you up front, we're actually not live because we had a special opportunity to get a hold of a sporting legend. Now, for those of you who listen to the show, you know my sports knowledge level is not so high. But when I find or hear of somebody doing something significant for Christ and his kingdom, I want to bring this person to you. And today's guest is actually Mike Singletary. Now, some of you are looking at him and saying, Ed's got Mike Singletary on there. Yes, Mike Singletary. He was the middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears, playing for them for 12 seasons back when they were, um, well, winning a lot. Um, and that may be a little different than today. See, I knew that. I knew that much. My sports knowledge is not complete ignorance. Uh, but um, he played for the Chicago Bears uh, 12 seasons, including their World Championship Super Bowl season of 19. 19- 85. Then he coached for the Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Los Angeles Rams. And that's, by the way, in all those cases, I haven't said this yet, this is kind of sports ball. It's called football, for those of you like me who are kind of unaware. I became a sports fan for five years when I lived in Buffalo, New York, but we'll talk about that later. In 1998, he's voted into the Football Hall of Fame. He's a motivational speaker. Uh, he's a follower of Jesus. And Mike and I are going to talk about his life, his journey, and his passion but first, let's talk some about Mike and his journey. Mike, thanks for joining us on the program. Sure. Good to be here. Good, good, good. Okay, so, so let's talk a little bit about you. Uh, you grew up in a Christian home. Your dad was a pastor. Tell me a little bit about your journey and how you came to faith and what that means to you. Well, you know, actually, I uh, did grow up in a Christian home. My father was a Pentecostal pastor and uh, didn't always uh, live it. Uh, I'm the last of 10 kids. Um, my mom and dad divorced when I was 12. And um, that was uh, that was a tough time for me. And, and I really did not have a relationship with my dad. Um, mm. And uh, one of my goals in life is to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, I, I really felt like that would be very fulfilling. That would be one of the greatest days of my life. And it really wasn't. Um, after we won the Super Bowl, it was one of the lowest times that I had ever felt in my life. Really couldn't figure out why, but uh, really began to um, just kind of begin to question uh, everything that I had done up until that time. And it was a small voice inside of me just saying, Mike, you need to go and forgive your father. Mm. And I thought, wow, uh, I don't want to do that. 
Um, matter of fact, that, that doesn't even make sense to me. I don't think I need to do that. But it just didn't go away. And uh, finally, I picked up the phone and called my dad and, and um, said, Dad, I forgive you. And he said, forgive me for what? So uh, needless to say, it was a very long, tough conversation. You know, we cried and yelled and screamed, everything else. But when I hung up the phone about an hour and a half later, I realized that something had changed. And at that time, uh, not long after that, I went to Houston to visit with my dad and uh, sit down and talk to him about uh, why things happened the way they, they happened and, and uh, why did he leave. Uh, you know, uh, my mom and my family. Uh, and I, I, I discovered a lot of things about my dad. I discovered that, uh, you know, he was <laughs> he was a person that made mistakes. It's as simple as that. He just made mistakes. And, um, you know, before my dad passed away, we, we came to be friends, and I, I learned a lot from him. And uh, I know that that time, forgiving my father, it, it changed my life um, and allowed the, some of the curses that uh, came along with that unforgiveness to leave and um, allow me to kind of have a fresh slate as I begin to raise my own family. And uh, that made all the difference in the world. Mm. And you are your family man. You're uh, you. You have actually, you know, walked that testimony um, out in in a very <laughs> very difficult situation. So I, I posted on Facebook and I said I'm going to talk to Mike Singletary, who's a very big deal, and yet he's a very big deal in a space I don't know. You know, I I, I told you before we got on the air that I I, I just happened to meet Bart Starr once and. Uh, shook his hand. We were at, my boss had taken me to this Alabama football game where he was, and and uh, met him. And I, I I I just blubbered and said, "So what do you do, Mister Star?" And he was very nice and actually didn't even mention his football career. Just very very nice guy. And um, so so I posted on Facebook. I'm going to talk to the Mike Sigletary, and people helped inform me. I also, of course, did my research, but people helped inform me, and they gave me suggested questions. And one of them was. You know, you played football. I mean, in, in like a legendary time in Chicago Bears history. Um, and you know, how did you on that on that journey, and then becoming a coach and more serving in in these different teams? Uh, how does your faith fit into being in professional football and the ways you've been? Well, you know, a lot of people um, when they find out that you know I was a believer when I played, they say, "Well." man, that had to be really difficult. And I said, no, it really wasn't. Um, I think one of the, uh, the most watched people in the world are those that say that they're believers. Um, but I, I don't think they necessarily have the toughest time. I think people that have the toughest time are those that say they're believers, but they live differently. Mm. Now, those are the ones that I think really have a tough time because people don't respect them because they say one thing, but they're living another. And uh, I always strive to do what I said uh, I was and um, learned a really valuable lesson uh, from that. Um, I remember uh, one time I would carry my my Bible around and I would try and have guys um, try to ask him to come to a Bible study. And... Um, 
you know, some of the guys would come, other guys wouldn't. You know, normally when you're trying to chase guys down and have them come to Bible study, they start running from you. Hmm. Well, this one guy that I was, I was asking every week, you know, hey, I, I want you to come to Bible study. And, and so uh, we're playing a game. Um, and this guy really cheap shots me. And uh, I get up and I say, you know, blankety, blank, blank, blank. And um, this guy that I had been talking to, trying to get to come to Bible study, uh, he he runs to the sideline and he's just ahead of me. And he says to one of my teammates, man, I didn't know you could be a believer and, and uh, swear like that. Uh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> oh my God. And so uh, I felt about um, two feet tall uh, because I realized at that moment that um, I, I was really, really convicted mm. about who I said I was and really actually what I was doing. And uh, I knew that I needed to uh, clean up the way that I talked and, and express myself, even though I was, uh, somebody provoked me. Um, I knew at that time that, you know what, Mike, you, you got to get a handle on that and, and you got to do a better job uh, because you represent Christ. Mm. And um, if you can't do that, then you need to make a decision uh, whether you are going to be a Christ follower or not. Mm. And so that was a tremendous challenge to me, and uh, that was a time in my life that the Lord began to talk to me about, um, not talk to me, but, but in my spirit, begin to deal with me about the things that I did and who I said I was. And um, that really, really uh, began to clean me up uh, in a major way, um, being accountable for how you live and not just saying, Hey, I'm a believer and live something totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at the book of revelation, uh, revelation three sixteen, one of the things it talks about is, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Uh, if you lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I, I don't know you. I don't have anything mm-hmm. to do with you. And I always thought, you know, if if I am um, if I'm warm, at least that give me some credit for being warm. Right. Um, but then I begin to understand that if I'm warm, what that's doing is confusing people. If I'm lukewarm, that that's confusing people about who Christ was, who mm-hmm. He is, and. Um, that means that I'm one thing to one group of people and I'm another thing to another group of people. And, um, it causes believers, um, to really take a lot of flack for lukewarm believers, uh, because they cause a lot of confusion and, uh, the hypocritical things that they do in life. It's like, uh, you say one thing and you do another. Um, that is the worst form of um, Christianity. You know, you are all in when you're in something. Your uh, intensity is a theme that people have communicated to me over and over again. Let me read a comment from 
my uh, Facebook page. It says, take 12 minutes and listen to his NFL Hall of Fame speeches. Actually, people can find it at the Ed Stetzer Live uh, show notes in the page there. Go to edstetzerlive.com. People then... Put fulfill my Facebook page with picture of your eyes and I and your intense glare and stare. Um, but here's what the person said on the Facebook page: As a Christian, it's one of the best Hall of Fame speeches that I've heard. And he says, "I'm not a Bears fan." And if you think about the intensity with which he played, uh, considering how small he was, which again, you look plenty big to me, but it's awesome. He gave Christ the glory. I'll never forget his speech. I would like to say before I even say another word that I want to give praise to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for all that he has done for me and my family. This story begins a long way back. Houston, Texas. Sort of began when I was 12 years old because there were a lot of things happening at that particular time in my family. We're going through a lot. We're trying to go to the next level. And I'm the last of 10 kids, and when you have 10 kids, sometimes it's a little bit of a struggle to make it work. That year, when I was 12 years old, mom and dad went through a divorce. When I was five years old, my brother Dale passed away, and my second brother would pass away when I was age 12. That was a tough year. I had no confidence, had no self-esteem. Just a young ghetto boy in Houston, Texas, trying to figure out who he was and where he was going to go from there. And I want to tell you today, my mom, my mom sat me down one day when I was moping around and feeling sorry for myself, close to giving up began to listening to everybody else in the neighborhood that says, no one gets out of here. No one has ever made it out of here, and you won't either. Besides, you don't have the ability, you don't have the skill, you don't have anything. My mom sat me down that day, and she let me know something that I always knew, but man, I needed to hear it. Mom sat me down, she said, son, I want you to know something. She said, I want you to know that there is greatness in you. There's something special about you. I prayed for you before you were born and every day since. It's in there and you've got to find it for yourself. I'm going to do everything I can as a mother to get it there, but you've got to find it. She put her hands on my forearm and she asked me if I could become the man around the house. I said, Mom, I can do that. That day I went to my room and I wrote down my goals. And at 12 years old, it went something like this. Find a way to get a scholarship to go to college. Become an All-American in college. Get my degree. Go to the NFL and buy my mom a house and take care of her for the rest of my life. When I think back on that time, I think how important it is that we need to let people know Let our kids know, let our spouses know how important they are to us. Don't keep it a secret, because that day my life began. As I think about all of the people that made a difference in my life, my mom is the start of that. 
My mom is the start of that because she is the one that introduced me to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She is the one that said, Mike, with men things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. Your testimony has been a key part of the um, ongoing conversation. Uh, we're talking to Mike Singletary, uh, well-known in sports ball. That's my little joke of football, but well-known in this field, but also a follower of Jesus, deeply concerned about, well, our city, Chicago, and concerned ultimately that the gospel would be proclaimed. Stay with us. We're going to continue our conversation with Mike Singletary in just a moment. We're back at Stetzer Live talking to Mike Singletary, which when I post this to social media, everybody told me that I am not worthy to talk to Mike Singletary because I don't know enough about sports. But here's what Mike Singletary and I have in common. We have in common a love for Jesus. And but let's talk about that legendary intensity that you have. Again, um, people just kept sending me a picture of your eyes. I mean, this is kind of a thing. You were an intimidating and to be very honest, still are an intimidating guy. So um Tell us a little bit about what it likes to, what it's like to be this intimidating figure in sports, uh, yet at the same time, you know, sharing and leading gospel witness. You started talking about that. Tell us a little bit more about how that's lived out in your life day to day. Well, I think um, I think from from the time I I get up in the morning and until the time I, I go to bed, um, it hasn't always been this way, but it's it's just continuing to. Um, I think it's a journey. Uh, as a believer, you continue to grow, you continue to learn, you continue to um, equip yourself, you know, with the word and uh, continue to find people that um, build you up. And and um, at the same time, um, <laughs> bring out the worst in you. And, mm-hmm. and those people are helping you grow as well. But it's, it's, um, it's just important that, uh, you know, the most important thing in my life is the Word of God. And it's because of the Word that I have hope. Uh, it's because of the Word that um, I can forgive. Uh, it's because of the Word that, that I can let go of things that, you know, have, have hurt me in, in certain ways uh, and, and move on because I know that uh, tomorrow is a better day um, if I don't take all the pain from today with me. So um, if I can learn to let it go, if I can learn to um, let God do what he's going to do and um, just kind of stay out of the way, then I, I got a chance. Uh, I got mm-hmm. a chance to, uh, to live a great life. I got a chance to uh, see my family live a great life uh, because of what they saw in me. That's kind of, you know, the, the uh, thought process and, and trying to, striving to uh, be the best that I can possibly be as a believer. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's been evidenced in so many parts of your life, and just learning more about you has been super fun for me. So tell me, though, what is important to you? People are important. Um, uh, no, not, not just people. Um, in the underserved, underprivileged community, but people are important to me, period, because, you know, people make the world go around. People, you know, God created people. He created them in his image, and, and therefore everyone has value. But I asked um, an officer to 
drive me through the south side and west side of Chicago uh, several months ago. And, and as I was driving through the uh, area and he was pointing out various places, I, I thought, you know what, I got to do something. Something's mm. not right about this. Um, how can I go back home and go to bed and, and eat my uh, meal in a peaceful neighborhood the whole nine yards when I know that uh, these people are uh, living hell every day? Um, I got to do something and, and challenge them. Um, uh, give a message of hope. Uh, let them know that uh, they can live a, a better life. Let them know that uh, they don't have to be on the sidelines. They can get involved and, and live the American dream. But it's going to take some things prior to that that they have to do. No one can do it for them. They got to do it. And that is um, change their perspective. Changing their perspective means that you got to stop looking at, you know, all of the people that uh, got you in this place, you know, all the people that you believe that are the reason that you're in this place. Um, you know, we can't do anything about things that have happened in the past. We can't, can't go back you know, 300, 400 years and, and correct and change some of the things that have happened. We can't change Jim Crow law in the 60s and 50s and can't do that. But what we can do, um, we can redirect our mindset and redirect our eyes and our focus and begin to look up and, and see that the opportunity is is turning away from the issues here on earth and beginning to look up and seeing possibilities. You know, what can I do? to make a difference. Anybody can blame another person. Anybody can, can be mad about things that have happened. Okay, that's natural, that's normal. But I can't stay there, I gotta move on. And when I begin to look up, I can see that God is there. I can see that uh, there's a world of opportunity and, and there's a seed that he's given me. And the question that he's asking me is, what am I doing with that seed? Um, and if I don't change my ways, I'm gonna I'm gonna die with that seed. Mm. But if if I if I let go of some stuff, if I forgive, then I got a chance to change my life, and I got a chance to live a great life, um, and and make a difference. And so, um, when I look at our country, I, I think the greatest uh, reason for the divide that we have. Uh, is a lack of uh, education, um, a lack of health care, a great health care program, uh, a lack of food uh, insecurity, um, the right kind of food. And so uh, for me, uh, I believe that if we begin to attack those things, that we have a chance to, to live a great life. I believe that we have a chance to get back in the game, to get off the sidelines. And... Um, get in the game of life and, and really begin to not only uh, help ourselves live a better life, but help those around us uh, live better. And, um, and if we can begin to think that way, if we can begin to um, uh, look up, then we, we have a chance to really change our lives. We've got to redirect our focus. We've got to change our perspective. And, um, give ourselves a chance to live this life, uh, a meaningful life. 
Yeah, now you mentioned um, you, the, the areas you mentioned in Chicago, people outside may not be aware. So the south side and the west side of Chicago are both um, disproportionately African-American. Um, and actually some of the places where we're seeing some of the greatest uh, crime spike in our city. Uh, when you see the when you see the this it's, it makes the national news so often, Mike, you know, um, it's, it's generally concentrated in those in those neighborhoods. So you are, um, you're African-American. You're talking about engaging people from the South and the West side. What we're trying to um, provide is opportunities uh, through our app, the Look Up app. Um, mm-hmm. um, the app, part of the app, uh, or a big part of the app is really rewarding people for making good decisions. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that we've never had in in the uh, lower socioeconomic area in, in uh, America is people really felt helpless. They felt like they didn't have any, anything to offer, no, no money, no nothing. But uh, one thing that we do have is a choice. And if we take, the, take that choice and make a, a, a good decision, a good choice, uh, whether it's um, in education, you know, finish reading your book, do your homework or whatever that is, or you can gain points for that. And you're able to redeem those points um, and and purchase goods and services with those points. Uh, same thing in healthcare. You know, if I got a, a doctor's appointment, right, if taking my medication the right way, and I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, well, I get points for that. Well, I can I can buy goods and services redeemable with those points. Um, and so, um, creating an app like that, it, it really helps people. It, it, it gives incentive. It gives an, an encouragement. It gives them, uh, it, it creates hope. It creates excitement. Um, and to me, it, uh, it can begin to, uh, really affect our decision-making process, our, our behavior. Um, and that's what happens in our bodies when we, um, it affects us negatively as well. If we tobacco or drugs or whatever else, you know, our body craves that. Um, sugar, same thing. Um, so I believe the same thing can happen with making a good decision. Um, mm. It can become a habit. We want the leaders in those neighborhoods that lead in those neighborhoods um, to feel empowered um, and begin to uh, work together and um, uh, begin to help the south side and, and the west side be areas uh, uh, where people can take pride in, in where they live and um, make great decisions doing it. Mm. So we're going to continue our conversation with Mike Singletary in just a minute. And Mike, one of the things I'm going to ask when we come back is, you know, you're emphasizing through the app, which, by the way, is, is linked at edstetzerlive.com. You can find information there. And you're emphasizing us taking personal responsibility. I want to talk some about the place of personal responsibility, sometimes, you know, systemic and structural issues that are also impact us. And we're going to continue all that in our conversation with Mike Singletary in just a moment.
Hey, we're back with Mike Singletary, continuing our conversation with him uh, about some of his passion. So let's um, let's talk a little bit, uh, Mike, about because you've talked about. I mean, a lot of this is talking about personal responsibility, and one of the big conversations in our culture is is uh, you know how do we? Where's the place of personal responsibility? Where's the place of addressing maybe systemic inequality? You mentioned you you know, drove through the south side and the west side of Chicago. We also would see there are structural issues kind of at work there as well. So what would you say is the role that we all have, as followers of Jesus, to address some of the issues, particularly impacting, in this case, the African-American community um, in south and west side of Chicago, which we, which we see reflected around the country. So where does personal, where does societal, how does this all fit together in your view, and what has God called you to do in the midst of it? I think that uh, the biggest role that, you know, I have, or we have, but I'm going to just say I right now, the biggest role that I have is look around and realize that, you know, a lot of times it's so easy to look at people, look at a community and say, wow, I wonder what's wrong with those people. I I wonder, um, you know, don't they have anything better to do? Can't, Can't they, you know, get a job? Can't they do this? Can't they do that? And uh, for me, it, it's, it's really interesting. I think um, when I, um, I, I've always known that the South Side and the West Side was there, even when I played here with the Bears. I, I just, you know, I, I've gone over there a few times, and, and, uh, but I've never really took the time to, to really look and see. And, um, you know, I grew, up, I grew up in a pretty tough area myself in Houston. And, um, but, you know, I was intentional about looking at what I saw and then beginning to uh, really get a feel for um, the people that are there. And I, I, I know that feeling. I, I, I being the last of 10 kids, um, you know, I had brothers, um, a couple of brothers got in trouble with the law had sisters, you know, had babies out of wedlock. And, and um, you know, it, it, that was some, it was some tough times, you know. Uh, growing up, it was sometimes uh, my dad was in construction work, and sometimes there was no work. And thankfully, my dad knew how to get up and get out and go hustle. And, uh, you know, go and see someone with a, a yard. Hey, you need that yard cut. You need those trees cut. Hey, you need this. It looked like your driveway is cracked. Look like, you know, it's just getting out there and, and creating opportunity, making something happen. You know, you look on the south and west side, I, I think sometimes, um, you know, it, 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 you talk about systemic racism, you talk about problems that have been here for years, and, and um, you know, sometimes you, you just kind of take a step back and go, how did that get that way? And I'm, I'm a huge history buff. I, I love history. And and I studied history. And, and for me, when when I think of when I think of the Emancipation Proclamation, when I think of uh, when the slaves were set free, and, and I, I think of um, what happened in the after ten years after they were set free and and, and then the North pulled out of the South and, and now it was just <laughs> It was just a tough time for any African American in the South. So, a lot of them tried to go up north to find a better life, only to be redlined, only to be 
put in a neighborhood and you don't come out of that neighborhood, you're in that neighborhood, you're up here in the north, okay, stay in that neighborhood. If I look at Chicago and you got several generations of people that are in that neighborhood, probably never been anywhere else. And it's like, um, why? Well, sometimes you're kind of afraid to leave. Sometimes there, there are rules that have been in place and, and in your mind they're still there. It's kind of like the, the old flea concept. You know, you, you put a flea in a, in, a, in a box and he'll jump out. You keep putting him back, he'll, he'll jump out. You put a lid on that box and that flea, after a while, he'll stop, he'll stop jumping because he's tired of getting, getting his head hit on that lid. And a lot of times, that's how people are. And I think when I look at the poor areas, the lower socioeconomic areas around our country, you know, particularly Chicago today, and there are a lot of people that, that feel like those fleas that, that, you know what, don't leave that area. You can't leave that area. You, you, if you leave that area, you're going to get penalized. And after a while, you can leave. But in your mindset, that's as far as I can go, to the edge of that community, and I'm not going any further. And so to me, I think, what do we do? I think we, we need to remind them, you know what? You can go outside those areas, but you, but you can't do it just because you, 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 you think you have a right to. No, you can do it by opening up your books and getting an education. Once you get your education, you can go anywhere you want to go. Once you get your education, the whole world opens up. Um, yes, there may be some tough places that, that may be tough to get in, but you know what? Keep opening those books. And as you open those books, there are chapters of your life that will be open that you've never experienced before. And you begin to read about how we take care of ourselves. Uh, just because it tastes good doesn't mean that it is good. I need to start reading about the things that I'm eating, things that I'm putting in my body. Um, those are the kind of things that, that we have to begin to, to do. We have to sit down and begin to talk to one another begin to have someone listen to us, listen to our thoughts and, and things that we're thinking and uh, help us uh, begin to dream again um, and look at opportunities in life and look at what we have to offer. God has put something very special in every one of us, every one of us. And if, if we can just change our perspective, I think we have a chance to be all that God created us to be. And it's mm. the toughest thing mm. to do is change our perspective. Yeah, so good, so good. Um, I want to talk about where faith plays into that, and let's. We're going to take this moment right now. We're going to play a portion of your NFL Hall of Fame speech here. And so, uh, this is a pre-recorded show, just so people are aware. And so, we can't take your calls, but listen to just a mo- moment for as Mike in this Hall of Fame speech shares some about his own faith. My mom, she's the son. I want you to understand that. Whatever you do, wherever you go, if you just take God with you, I know you're going to be okay. I know that people will ask me, Michael, whether this rank, Hall of Fame, top of the world, son, what is that rank? I just want you to know that I am so extremely proud. I am so extremely proud to be sharing this honor with these gentlemen here and those gentlemen there and the gentlemen here behind me. But the most important thing in my life 
is Jesus Christ. And I thank him for what he did to me. I thank him for what he did in my life. And I thank you for cheering me on. And I'm thankful for my mom and dad, my sisters and brothers. I'm thankful for my lovely wife who has always stood with me through thick and thin and was at every game, not in the locker room, but out there outside, 20 below. I'm thankful for my children. What a great and powerful testimony from Mike Singletary. I love that that's a Hall of Fame speech. I mean, what a fascinating, fascinating person. As you can tell, my sports um, level, knowledge level is pretty low, but my appreciation of a follower of Jesus who wants to make a difference is pretty high. So we're going to continue our conversation uh, with uh, Mike Singletary uh, in just a second. Stay with us. Singletary, continuing our conversation with him. So, Mike, before the break, we played um, we played a snippet from your uh, Hall of Fame speech. And one of the things that's represented of your whole life is it's not just that you think people can do better or whatever it may be, but you see the particular important role of faith in this. So how does faith help to accomplish some of the objectives you're talking about in society? Faith helped, uh, faith for me really helped me at, at a young age. My mom taught me that with God, I can do all, all things are possible and I, I can do anything if, if, but I got to have him first. And if I have him first, then the sky's the limit. So for me, I always believe that, you know what? I can do anything. Um, I may not be the smartest guy in the world, but you know what? I'm going to pass this class. Um, I may not be the biggest guy in the world, but you know what? I'm going to tackle that guy. Um, I, I may not be the fastest guy in the world, but you know what? Somehow, some way, I'm going to get there before the next guy. And, and so I, I just always believe, and, and I think that, you know, when people talk about my intensity, people talk about the eye, they talk about it. You know what? I, I, I was really, really, um, I, I will put it this way. As a kid, I can remember being 12 or 13 years old and, and getting up and going outside once I started playing football. And all I heard was, Mike, you're too small. You can't play middle linebacker. You're going to have to play cornerback or safety or something like that. Um, and I was sickly as a kid. And, and um, you know, that's a whole other story. But I, I just remember going out, getting up, going out and, and running. It, it may be midnight, one o'clock in the morning, I'm out there running. I'm running forward and backwards and sideways as fast as I could. And, and the tears running down my face while I'm doing it. And I'm saying, you know what? I look up at the sky and I say, Lord, somehow, some way I'm going to make it. And, and I, I am going to tell you, I'm going to give you everything I've got. And, and I promise you every play I'm going to play like it's my last. And if, if you just help me, 
to be the best that I can possibly be. I promise you, I will never, ever, ever take a playoff. And that was my promise to the Lord. And so that was really everything I did in my life. In, in the classroom, any teacher that I ever had would tell you that I busted my tail. I sat on the front row of any class that I had. And I'm on the football field, and I'm in the meeting room. I always sat on the front row. I always asked a lot of questions. I, I ran my teachers crazy because I, I ran them down. I went to their homes. I, I saw them on the sidewalk. I ran them down. Met them at the library. Um, all because I made a promise to God that I am never, ever going to take off. I'm never going to take a playoff. I'm never going to take a playoff on the field. I'm never going to take a playoff in life. And to me, that's how you make it. That, that's, that's how whatever it is that God has for you, that's how you will make it. Don't take plays off. Play to the end. And to me, that's how life is. And the thing that I really want to encourage the people with more so than anything else is to have them understand that you can do it. You can do it. You can change your life. You can live a better life. And as I said before, there's some things that we're, we're offering, the education platform that we have, um, the health and, um, health and wellness program that we're offering. And those opportunities um, to look at an app that's going to reward you for making good decisions. And that's the thing that I'm excited about because on both sides of the gap, there's something that we can do to make a difference in those communities, the, the people in those communities that, you know, it's been tough. It's been difficult. It's been, you know what? Change your perspective. Stop looking at the problem. Stop looking at the people on the other side, you know, what color they are, where they come from and all this other stuff. Stop looking at yourself in a way, well, you know, maybe I'm not this, maybe I'm not that. No, forget all that. It's time to step out and take that seed that God has put in your hand and use it, plant it. And for the people on the other side that, that have done okay in life, that um, you, you own businesses and you've been tr kind of sitting back and saying, hey, I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? Help us. Step up and, 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 and make goods and services available that, that maybe you, you don't need. Uh, or maybe you are going to do something else with anyways um, and donate them so that you can provide opportunities for these people in those neighborhoods so that they can earn them. And to me, that's a win-win situation. Um, the last thing I want anybody to do is to, to give something to the poor old people in those, those neighborhoods. Oh, I feel sorry for those people. No, 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 no. That's the wrong heart. Keep what you have. Don't want it. But if you say, you know what? I want to help. I want to do something. I, I, I want to help um, change the situation in our country. What can I do? And you know what? Donate something and allow them to earn it. Now, that's how you create the win-win situation. I want to thank my dad today. It took me a long time to realize how much he gave me. 
took me a long time to grow up and mature and realize that we make mistakes. But my dad, I am so thankful for him. I am so thankful for his work ethic. I am so thankful for the many people that he has helped. I am so thankful for his heart. I'm thankful for my sisters and brothers today. I'm thankful for their selflessness. I thank them. I thank my wife. I thank my children. I'm so thankful that we can come together and get on our knees together and lift our family before a holy God. But along this road, I want you to understand that I stand here today and I just want you to know that I know that it is not me. I want you to know that there was a tremendous investment by so many people. And that is the reason I am here. Let me introduce you to my team. And to be on this team, you got to be able to give sacrifice. You got to be able to have integrity. You got to be able to have character. You got to be able to keep coming back, no matter how tough, no matter how hard it gets, keep coming back. Go something like this. These team players, these teammates that I have starts with my coaches. In high school, I had a guy by the name of Coach Brown at Ebony Worthen. Coach Brown taught me the work ethic, son, nothing is free. You want it, you gotta give it. You gotta give everything you've got, son, and then more. Coach Taft, when I went to Baylor University, Coach Taft taught me about the importance of being a Christian athlete getting out there and playing within the rules, but giving everything you've got. And there was Coach Nelson, my linebacker coach, who taught me the fundamentals of playing linebacker when I thought I knew it all. And then I got drafted by the Bears, and there was Buddy Ryan, who captured a nation with the 46th defense and the imagination. And Buddy Ryan taught me what it was about to give ownership. And then there was Coach Ditka, this man was enthusiastic about life, taught me about vision. And a guy you won't know, his name is Coach McGinnis, who's my linebacker coach. When I was at the peak of my career, he was there. He was my friend. He was there in the twilight of my career when I lost a step, when I wasn't quite as fast as I used to be, when I missed that tackle that I normally would have gotten. And coach McGinnis was still my Friend, that is rare. Coach Tobin taught me discipline. Whatever the defense is, you call it and you run it, but don't change it. I didn't like it, but it was right. And a guy by the name of Tom Williams taught me how to stand up and prepare for the game, prepare for the challenge of life. Every time that you go forward in life, Sometimes you fall flat on your face and you need people around you that will pick you up, people that will support you. I want to introduce you to my roommates because I was difficult to room with. Guy by the name of Leslie Frazier, Todd Bell, Danny Rain, Al Harris, Sean Gale, and Dave Durson. Those were the guys. And when I fell flat on my face, they were there to say, hey, Mike, get up. You can do it. They were there to pick me up. They were there to encourage me, and they were there to tell me the truth. Mike Singletary, 
Thank you so much for being our guest, and thank you for those of you who've been listening. Um, let me thank our team here, uh, Karen Hendren, our producer. We actually have Courtney uh, Young, our engineer, but today actually helping us has been Ryan McConaughey. Uh, on all the social media, you can follow us at Ed Stetzer Live. All the links I mentioned are at edstetzerlive.com. And pray for Chicago. We need God to just be at work to impact our community. I'm so thankful for so many pastors and church leaders who believe that as well, who are praying and working toward that end. And remember, of course, that Ed Setzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which of itself is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Mm-hmm.